Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1st Corinthians, 1st epistle to the Corinthians chapter 11, we'll read from verse 17 to verse 34, the end of the chapter. And that in connection with Lord's Day 28. First Corinthians 11, verse 17. Now this, now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be <clears throat> made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. <clears throat> For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye may come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. I'll be referring to... And the Catechism refers to those verses, verses 23 through 25, where the Apostle 
It refers to the institution of the supper. And I read that passage in connection with Lord's Day 28. I'm going to read that also this morning, Lord's Day 28. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's appropriate and fitting that we read what the Catechism says concerning the Lord's Supper in Lord's Day 28, found on page 16 in the back of the Psalter's questions 75 through 77. How art thou admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that thou art a partaker of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross and of all his benefits? Thus, that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him, adding these promises. First, that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me and his blood shed for me as certainly as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup of the Lord communicated to me. And further that he feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood as assuredly as I receive from the hands of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord as certain signs of the body and blood of Christ. What is it then to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? It is not only to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and eternal life, but also besides that to become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost who dwells both in Christ and in us so that we, though Christ is in heaven and we on earth are notwithstanding flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone and that we live and are governed forever by one spirit as members of the same body are by one soul. Where has Christ promised that he will as certainly feed and nourish believers with his body and blood as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the supper, which is thus expressed, the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Eat this, uh, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. This promise is repeated by the Holy Apostle Paul, where he says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, because we are all partakers of that one bread. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, we look forward 
to celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. The Catechism has been giving a treatment of the sacraments, which are means of grace. So it has treated the sacrament of baptism, that is a means of grace, a means by which God gives grace to his people. And that's also the case, not just with baptism, it's also the case with the Lord's Supper, that it is a means by which God gives grace to you and to me. It's fitting that Jesus Christ is the one who instituted the sacraments. He commanded the disciples to baptize, but he also commanded his disciples to remember him, to do this in remembrance of me. I say it's fitting because Jesus is the one who saves. He instituted the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. He tells his disciples this do in remembrance of me to remind us that he is the one who saves us from beginning to end. He gives to us in the sacrament, appropriately, he gives us a sign. And that sign then points to the reality, the spiritual reality. And by the sign pointing to that reality, God comforts us with the gospel that is brought to us in the sacrament. So I want to consider the sacrament of the Lord's Supper in that order, looking at first the sign, secondly the reality, and lastly the comfort that is ours. When we think of the sacraments, we ought to understand that Christ gives a particular sign. And that sign bears a certain analogy to the reality. Jesus didn't give a sign that makes no sense, but he gives signs that when we look at those signs, they point to the reality. So with baptism, when we consider a spiritual washing, it's appropriate that Christ would have us use the sign of water. There's an analogy between the sign and the thing to which it points. And so too, with the Lord's Supper, there's an analogy. Christ chose these elements because they bear a certain 
resemblance. They help us to learn about the spiritual reality. He gives us bread and wine because he wants us in the first place to know we need to be fed. So he gives, in the sacrament, he gives a food. He gives food and drink. And now, from that sign, we learn, just as we need, absolutely need, food to live, take away food for some 30 or 90 days, and most of us would be dead. We absolutely need food if we are going to live. Take away drink for some three to five days and we would die for lack of that drink. And now we can learn about the truth of Jesus Christ. We absolutely need Jesus Christ if we are to live spiritually. How much do we need Jesus Christ? Jesus says in John chapter 6, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We need Jesus Christ. We need to be fed by Jesus Christ if we are going to live. So that in the first place, it's fitting that he gives us that picture. He gives us food and drink. But he also gives us specific items. Jesus did not choose just any food and drink, but he chose specifically bread and wine. Bread, you understand, is the most basic of foods. If you lived in the culture in that day, bread was basic. When Elijah came to the widow at Zarephath, after he asked for water, he asked for bread as the most basic food because if you had run out of everything the very last thing you would run out of would be the bread. And if you didn't have any bread, it meant you didn't have anything. Bread, of course, signifies the body of Christ. So Jesus says in the institution of the supper, we read that in 1 Corinthians, he took bread. And then he says, as he held the bread... This is my body, which is broken for you. Not that his bones would be broken, but the idea of bread being broken is that 
It is broken and distributed. So Christ's body, the benefits of his suffering of death, that those benefits are distributed to us, his people. And then we read in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The communion has to do with a joint participation. It has to do with fellowship in the body. And now you can see when all of God's people, when we eat the bread, we all partake of that same bread that speaks of the fellowship that we have with one another. And the wine signifies the blood of Christ. It wasn't just grape juice. which is why we use actual wine. We know it wasn't grape juice. From the passage that we read, the Corinthians were abusing the wine that was used. And they were becoming, some of them were becoming drunk because they consumed so much wine, and the apostle condemns them for that. It was wine that was used. And we can see the analogy there, too. There's in the red wine a picture that points us to the blood of Christ. And then also the idea of wine being used at feasts. Jesus, by that miracle, created wine or made, turned water into wine at the wedding feast. A wine, using wine is a symbol of feasting. It's a symbol of joy and also a symbol of communion. When Jesus gave us life, he didn't simply come to give us the bare necessities of spiritual life, but he came so that we would have abundant life. And wine is a symbol of abundance. There's the sign. That sign, the signs of the elements point us to the reality of the gospel in Jesus Christ. When we partake of communion, then it's not that we simply look at the bread and look at the wine and think to ourselves, this bread tastes nice and the wine tastes nice. But we look beyond the signs. And we look to the spiritual reality that our salvation is in Jesus Christ.
we actually partake of Christ. Not like the Roman Catholics partake, or they say they partake. They say that the bread, the bread is actually turned into the body and the wine is actually turned into the blood of Christ. And they think of the partaking in a physical sense. It's not that way. Nor is it like the Lutherans who said and who say that Christ's physical body is actually present around and under the element. It's not that way either. We partake, but we partake of Christ's body and blood spiritually. It is a spiritual partaking. And that's what the catechism points to, that reality of a spiritual partaking. Whenever we embrace Christ's body and blood, whenever we embrace the sufferings of Christ's body, the pouring out of his blood, and the suffering that he experienced, whenever we look by faith to that suffering, we are partaking of Christ's body and blood. That's what the catechism explains. To eat and drink is not a physical eating and drinking, but it explains it this way, to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ, and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal. There's a spiritual eating and drinking. That's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 6. When he talked about his own body, speaking of himself as the bread which came down from heaven and then said to those who were in his audience, you have to eat that bread. And if you don't, you have no life in you. And in that same passage, John 6, verse 47, Jesus explained what that eating of his body meant when he says, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Whenever we eat, or rather, whenever we believe the truth concerning Jesus Christ and his suffering and death, whenever by faith we look to that suffering on the cross, we are eating and drinking Jesus Christ. Whenever we read in our personal devotions concerning Jesus Christ and we dwell upon that sacrifice, we are eating and drinking Jesus Christ. Whenever we hear the gospel in the preaching and we believe that gospel, we are eating and drinking Jesus Christ. And so too, when we eat the Lord's Supper, we have the gospel presented to us. And whenever we 
dwell on that gospel as we partake of the elements, then we are eating and drinking Jesus Christ spiritually. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So that whenever we remember Christ, we are partaking of him spiritually. We are spiritually nourished. The catechism points to that nourishment. First, the nourishment that points to uh, spiritual pardoning of our sins. In question and answer 76, What is it to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? It is not only to embrace with the believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ. And now it points to this first spiritual benefit. It says, thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal. There you see that picture that unless we partake of Christ, we have no life in us. He is the vine and we are the branches. We need to be united to Christ to have that life. But partaking also points to a certain spiritual growth. Christ gives us life but he also causes us to grow in that life. And the catechism points to that as well when it says in that second part of question and answer 76, first, to obtain sin, a pardon of sin and life eternal, but also Besides that, to become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost, who dwells both in us and in Christ. Do you see that? There's a more and more as we partake of Christ spiritually, there is a more and more. Just as when we eat physical food, physical food, there is a more and more. Our bodies grow. We might not detect that. It happens slowly. But there is a more and more to that as also When we embrace the perfect sacrifice of Christ, there is a more and more to our spiritual lives. We grow. What does that look like? The Catechism answers that too. In the last part, as we grow, it says in the last part of... Uh, the answer to 76, and that we live and are governed forever by one spirit as members of the same body are by one soul. How can you tell that we are more and more governed 
We submit ourselves to the will of God. We want to do his will in our lives. We see our sins and we repent of those sins. There's nourishment. Spiritual nourishment in Jesus Christ. And the supper points to that nourishment. But now the question might arise, how do we know that we ourselves are partakers? Where is the comfort for us in the Lord's Supper? How do we know that it applies to us personally? And the Lord gives us comfort exactly through the sacrament, as we partake of, personally, of the elements, we understand that we also partake personally of the blessings of salvation. And that's the picture that the Lord gave to his disciples, and that's recorded for us in the passage that we read, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, speaking of the bread, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body. So he's pointing the disciples to his body that would experience great suffering. But then he adds that personal element, which is broken For you. He said that to his disciples. He didn't say this body is broken for all men. But this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So Jesus specifically connects the eating of that bread with the benefits of his suffering and death. He wanted them to know, and he also wants us to know, that that death, his death, applies to us personally. Just as certainly as the disciples were given that bread by Jesus and given that wine and they partook of it, that's how certainly they must know he died for them. And so too for us when we partake of those elements. And what does that show us? That as we partake of those elements, we won't see spiritual growth that suddenly happens overnight. But over the years, there is that spiritual growth that God gives to us as we eat and drink Jesus Christ spiritually. And what does it teach us? 
that all of our salvation is in Jesus Christ. God chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. Christ suffered and died for us, paying the ransom for us on the cross. We didn't participate in that ransom payment, but he paid for us the full payment. And then the Spirit of Christ applies that salvation to us in time. All of our salvation is in Jesus Christ. There were those in the Corinthian church that did not partake properly of the supper. Verse 29 says, He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. As we partake, God calls us to partake of that supper, discerning the Lord's body, seeing the gospel in those elements. Partake in faith. Consider the wonderful gift that God has given in Jesus Christ. And as we look by faith to that sacrifice, beloved, we cannot but be blessed when we enjoy that knowledge of our salvation in Jesus Christ. Do you see that glorious sacrifice and do you see your salvation in that sacrifice? Then God and Jesus Christ invites us to the supper this morning. Amen. Let's turn.